Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. I'm your host, George Kurth, here joined as always by the one and only Cody Roadcap. Cody, how did you survive Bipocalypse? I did pretty well. I think I went, I say pretty well, but I think I only won in two of six leagues. I think that's the number. Honestly, I feel like that's impressive still. <laughs> and uh, the one I did win in, I didn't play a defense and I still was able to pull out the victory just because I couldn't destroy my team to do that. Uh, so feeling pretty good. Uh, made it out alive. How did you do? Uh, I think it was a 500 week for me, depending on how we do in our league of record. If you guys don't know, we record this on Mondays before Monday night football. So we're going to hope for the best there. Also pulled off a tie in a dynasty league because why wouldn't Bipocalypse pull out something absolutely ridiculous like a tie? Yeah, you, I had a tie a couple weeks in dynasty too, but then I forgot that league has coaches points that get added in later. So then I lost. So hopefully that's the different leagues where you don't have coaches points to deal with. It is the league with coaches points, same one that you were dealt with, but there's no coaches points for either of our teams. So we're going to see how that shakes out. But You guys are here for some podcasts, so we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, some NFL news. We're going to hit a little bit of Bipocalypse recap because we feel like it deserves a little bit of an extra look. And there were some very strange things that happened last week. We're going to hit my favorite segment, Quotes of the Week. And we will do some waiver wire like we always do on our Tuesday shows. So why don't we just jump right in here and talk NFL news. So NFL news, we might as well start off with some trades because the trade deadline is a week from today. If you're listening on Tuesday and we have the first trade, it doesn't really have much to do with fantasy, but the Denver Broncos acquire linebacker Kenny Young for the from the L.A. Rams. So, Cody, uh, any impacts here? Do you want to say you want to talk about a little bit? Uh, No, I don't think this trade, like you said, there's not much fantasy relevance for this move. Uh, It was more of just a reminder, hey, the trade deadline is coming. We'll probably see a couple more moves like this. Uh, Another trade that came in right before we started recording was Zach Wilson being injured. Joe Flacco has now been traded from the Eagles to the New York Jets. He's going back to the Jets. Uh, It's still way too early. This is more of a veteran insurance for Mike White, or if this is, hey, Mike White didn't look good in relief. We need we need to just get another guy in there. Wait to see if he returns. If he does return, I would have to think you like their receivers a little bit more. Maybe like a Jamison Crowder. Uh, maybe if you have Elijah Moore in Dynasty, you feel a little bit better about him. But they're still the Jets. They're not a great team. And again, these trades are more not about fantasy, but just, hey, the trade deadline's coming. Uh, you might want to keep that back in your mind, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Definitely. I don't have much more to add on to that. Um, Also, another thing that seems to be hitting the NFL right now is COVID. We cannot shake it. We'll hit more on COVID later in the show as well, but we have to start with the Bears have been dealing with some issues. They had four coaches miss their game in week seven. Matt Nagy is now dealing with COVID. I believe he's vaccinated because I think all coaches have to be vaccinated to be on the field. But um. So he would, he would still need two negative tests before Sunday, I believe, to coach. But at least it's not the mandatory 10-day waiting period where he would not be coaching next week on the sideline. But we'll see what happens with the Bears if they can start to sort it out. I believe they have some players on the COVID list as well. Yeah, the Bears, I mean, it's a tough break for them. Again, All we all hope that Matt Nagy and the rest of that staff recover quickly and no one has some serious comp- or complications with COVID. Uh, but the Bears, on more of a football side, they need they need to figure something out. They are having Justin Fields run for his life. They are in danger of you know ruining ruining his development. I don't you know we talk about that you know there's always people that young quarterbacks need to play right away. Then there's the side of the table that hey let them sit for a year, let them sit for a year and a half, and you know no one knows the perfect answer. But the way Justin Fields has been playing, it almost looks like they need to go back to Andy Dalton and just let the guy learn about the NFL. Um, He's just taking a beating, and you'd hate to see it ruin his confidence for the rest of his career. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, do you think it would hurt his confidence more to keep taking the beating and keep losing or to get benched for Andy Dalton? I mean, that's that's a tough one, and I guess only Justin Fields would – know the true answer to that and 
again, I'm not an NFL quarterback as much as when I was a kid, I wished I would have been, but <laughs> don't we all every, everyone does, but you know, it's, it's a tough place to be in the bears. You know, they're struggling on offense. They're on their third string running back, albeit he's looked really well. They can't get Allen Robinson involved. Matt Nagy, just the bears in general have been a mess and it's, it's a 50, 50 shot, I guess. I don't think it'll hurt either way if he keeps playing or if they decide to bench him for Andy Dalton. But from Matt Nagy's standpoint, this is probably his like prove it year. So he's going to want to play Justin Fields because that's the guy they drafted. But from because if Justin Fields has a good second half of the season, he's be like, oh, see, there was progress. We're going to get there. Right. Exactly. Like he's there's some of that, you know, but as an organization, you know, the ownership, they might be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be playing Justin quite yet that's definitely something we'll have to keep an eye on uh, as the season progresses definitely we'll keep an eye on that and i want to go into our bipocalypse recap here we're going to talk some biggest surprises from last week and i want to stick on the quarterback position because what is going on with the chiefs and patrick mahomes this is a chiefs team that i have not seen this from since maybe the first year of andy Reid, maybe before that even yeah, it's definitely been a while since the Chiefs have looked this bad. And, you know, it's it's almost crazy to think of how, well, one, I mean, before I get to that point, uh, we're seeing a little bit of regression from Patrick Mahomes, not in skill-wise, but like luck, I would say. You know, we all, all those, mm-hmm. only Patrick Mahomes can make that play. Well, now those plays that he's trying to make are becoming turnovers and interceptions. And you can tell that the offensive line being a little unshaky and the defense not being as good is in his head. He's trying to make a big play uh, before, you know, every he was trying to win it all on that play. He's not playing in the offensive system that Andy Reid has put together. It reminds me a lot of the end of the Mike McCarthy era with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying that there is beef between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes like there was in Green Bay, but it does seem like Patrick Mahomes is saying, I'm going to go out and win this thing, and he's not playing in the offense. He's They're not sustaining drives. He's trying to do too much, make too many things happen. He's almost like he's trying to make every play Mahomes magic instead of He's playing, playing hero ball. Exactly. He's playing hero ball. And I, I still think that the Chiefs can turn it around. Uh, I know it's going to be tough. The AFC, while there's not a true powerhouse, I would probably say the Bills are the, you know, I know they did just lose to the Titans. Tyler's probably like, I can't believe you're saying this, but I would still say the Bills are probably the top team in the AFC, despite the, the close loss to Tennessee. After that, you know, you have to put Tennessee up there. But there's a lot there's of... just depth it's mean baltimore cincinnati right now there's so many teams there's so many teams but there's not one that i'm like oh that team can go all the way and that's even with buffalo like we've seen them lose now uh twice they have some there's ways that you can beat that team that's about every team but there's not that dominating team in the afc so i do think the chiefs can find a way to bounce back and squeak their way into the playoffs and if they get it going late i mean the chiefs can definitely turn around but it's going to take a buy-in from patrick mahomes to be like okay I don't need to scramble out and throw a deep ball or throw try to make something happen. Let's get five yards on this play. Let's get five yards on this play. Let's work those crossers. Let's work those quick passes and eventually the stuff mm-hmm. over the top. I don't think the Chiefs are in panic mode yet, uh, but if Patrick Mahomes doesn't change his ways, uh, they could be in for a tough season. And But I do have to say, and I it is crazy how I've already seen people are like, are the Chiefs in trouble because they gave him like that ten year contract? I was like, guys, I think I think he'll bounce back. I think he has the talent. Um, he, he just needs a little bit of a realigning of, you know, hey, this offense works. Let's trust it. Uh, but Matt, he's still a very talented player, and like I said, I do expect the Chiefs to bounce back as the season progresses. Definitely agree. I think it's just shocking because of how dominant they've been that. We've seen teams with these top quarterbacks struggle before. I mean, you being a Packers fan for as long as you have, they've had struggle years with Aaron Rodgers. And 
as much as it almost perplexes you, like, I don't know how this is happening with this talent. It just happens. It's you can't dominate the NFL. What Brady has done with the Patriots and the Bucks now is completely out of this world. And we thought the Chiefs were going to replicate it. And maybe the Chiefs are still human. And Tom Brady's not. I don't know. Well, I, I think what well, one, I will say the Chiefs, the teams around them, the Raiders and the Chargers have gotten significantly better mm-hmm. since the, you know they've dominated the leagues, which you can't say about the AFC East while Tom Brady was there. Yeah. Like, so, and the Buccaneers have done everything in their power to put as many pieces around Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, and it's working. Like, I'm not taking anything away from, again, congrats, Tom Brady just threw a 600 touchdown pass. Like, I'm not trying to discredit Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. That's not the point of this. I'm just saying it is very hard to to do that, and I think sometimes we get carried away in the moment and not look at the long-term things. Uh, But I could easily see in this be the Chiefs, this be like the Packers in 2016 for the Chiefs. They were four and six. Aaron Rodgers famously said, hey, we're going to run the table. And they found themselves in the AF, or the NFC Championship game. Now they were completely outmatched and had no business being in that game. But that is the type of quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. They still have talent around him. If Once they get clicking, they'll be like, oh, that's the Chiefs. It's The, the question is now how many more weeks – until they get clicking and how many more games can they afford to lose? Because the number, I mean, they're at four losses now. It's going to be tough to compete when there is so many teams fighting for the playoff spot, but the seventh playoff spot could be a huge benefit for the chiefs. And you'd have to imagine if the chiefs squeak in at number seven, they'll probably be one of the most dangerous seven seats. Uh, obviously we've only had a year of a seven seat. So it's hard to say in, in they could history, be one of the most but... dangerous six seeds. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, th- to the same point, but I think yeah. that's enough Patrick Mahomes talk. There was still a lot to talk about with uh bipocalypse. And one thing we have to talk about is the same position at quarterback, Joe Burrow in the AFC East, the Bengals, they look legit. They're silencing all the haters that said they shouldn't have drafted Jamar chase because they needed protection. Jamar chase is leading the NFL in reception yards. He went full A.J. Green on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens fans are probably like, oh, not another guy. But the bigger question is Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. He's had at least two touchdown passes in every game this year. Is he becoming a weekly fantasy starter in your eyes? Close. I think he's probably the closest you're going to get. Like, I still could see nine to 10 guys that I would start over him on a weekly basis. He's right around that Jalen hurts category for me. The thing that I like hurts slightly better on is the fact that he has the rushing ability so that when they do have a dud game, Jalen hurts is still almost always putting up 20 plus points because even again, the Eagles, you know, had a horrible game. Jalen hurts put up 23. What I will say is the consistency is getting even better with Joe Burrow. And if he gets more consistent, I'm going to be more happy with playing him every single week. He has three weeks of 20 plus points in his last four. I like that. He is somebody that if you are struggling at the quarterback position, you only have Joe Burrow. Go ahead and roll out Joe Burrow. I just wouldn't force him into your lineup. If you have one of those top 10 quarterbacks that aren't really doing you wrong, but you're just trying to get better. I don't think Joe Burrow is necessarily an upgrade over them, but he is sneaking his way to the tail end of that group. Alrighty. So I'm going to ask you, cause I'm very interested of where you actually have him. So I'm going to assume that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, they're, yep. they're ahead of Joe Burrow. Dak yes. Prescott, head of Joe Burrow. Yes. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Is he still ahead of Joe Burrow with his struggles? I feel like I can't say no. Like, yeah, Mahomes has to be higher just because we know what he can do. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about some other guys. I'm going to give you a tough one. This is probably okay. Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> I would probably honestly try to play the matchups between the two. They'd be back think, and forth for me. I think you have to at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've seen a couple times that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like the Packers offense, they're good, They, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't put up a ton of passing yards. Now he is throwing yeah. touchdowns, which is keeping him, you know, 
in the top level of quarterbacks for sure. But yeah, that but was they're one. they're close enough that there's no clear cut winner for me. I would rather go week to week on that. Gotcha. And then, I mean, I excluded Kyler Murray from this list because that wasn't obvious. But what about a guy? Yep. What about his rookie or his sophomore uh, guy that went in the same year as him, Justin Herbert? Where do you put him? Um, he'd probably be close to the Aaron Rodgers scenario, but I tend to like Herbert a little bit better. So I'd probably lean Herbert. Gotcha. Interesting. So just for everyone who's out there, I'll stop asking questions because that's about a good idea of where he is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is currently QB eight. Joe Burrow is currently QB nine and Justin Herbert is currently QB 10. Now, granted, he didn't play in week seven so keep that in the back of your mind but that's about where joe burrow is sitting and again if you're a top 12 quarterback you're a qb1 on the season so i do like joe burrow moving forward uh definitely like what i'm seeing out of him his confidence is building you know but you speaking of, let's talk about that same Bengals offense though joe mixon mm-hmm. now he was dealing with the ankle injury a few weeks ago but samaj p ryan a guy that i said last week you can cut him like I liked Chris Evans, the way they used him out of the backfield. He was getting involved, ends up getting 11 carries to, to mix in 12. Do you think there's something true to this? Are we going to see another running back by committee after all offseason? We heard Zach Taylor say Joe Mixon should get all the carries. Or is this, you still think, a little bit of them easing him back in from that ankle injury? So I think it's a little bit of a mixture of things. One, I think it is a little bit of a mix of him coming back from the ankle injury. Like I think their intention in this game against the Ravens was to get mixed in 20 carries. Um, but they surprisingly actually got up on the Ravens pretty big in the second half. And once that happened, Mixon was almost completely out of the game. So the 11 carries is a little bit of an exaggeration. It probably should have been more like, 17 to 7 or something in that range um but i think it's very clear to me that when p ryan's in the in in the game now it's a passing situation like mixon's no longer been on the field for third down from what i've seen maybe that will change a little bit and they'll mix them in on third down when mixon is fully healthy but i think that they're committed to one using p ryan on passing situations and two they are easing mixon in still a little bit Gotcha. I, yeah, I still think Mixon is. Don't take that. Don't take. Don't hear what he's not saying. Mixon is still heavily involved in yes, the passing yes. game. He had what was it a sixty-yard receiving touchdown on a screenplay mm-hmm. against the Lions yes. uh, the week prior. Um, but it's he's just not and still scored a touchdown in this game to salvage a good fantasy day. It, absolutely. So he's still getting his opportunities. Uh, but maybe P Ryan wasn't as cuttable as we first thought. But I did like that you pointed out how they got a big lead at the end. And I'm actually going to add an, another question for another set of running backs to our list. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how Ronald Jones was a trading guy. This week, Leonard Fournette had 15 carries. Ronald Jones had 10. Do you think that's the same situation of, hey, they got up, you know, they won the game 38-3, to so they got Ronald Jones some carries? Or do you think, you know, it was reported that Arians laughed at the thought of trading him was that is this more of like, hey, we're going to roll with both and this is going to be a committee? Do you still like Leonard Fournette long term? I still like Leonard Fournette long term. I mean, I think it's just I I gave that reaction if you're watching on YouTube because there's three backfields in this league that I cannot absolutely I absolutely cannot stand. And it's the Patriots, the 49ers and the Buccaneers. Just because it seems like there's all this random. Oh, this guy's going to get all this carries this week for no reason with no warning. But anyway, I think I'm I'm hoping that it was either they got up big and they were saving playoff Lenny for, you know, future games because that that's a smart move or they were trying to showcase Ronald Jones because they're going to trade him, even though Bruce Arians might not want him traded. He's not the GM. Maybe they still will try to trade him. And he was told to get him carries to try to showcase him to other teams. We're going to find out, obviously, if that's the case by next Tuesday, because he would obviously be traded before the deadline. But if not. we're not going to know for sure what their whole intention was until we see another close game with the Buccaneers. And we see the snap counts between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. I wouldn't overreact yet because they were up. It could have just been the same situation as Piran getting carries because they were up and I'm going to go with that, but we're really not sure. Gotcha. And you know, speaking of fantasy, if 
Jones doesn't end up getting moved, like Fournette might be a guy you try to trade high now based on his last few weeks' performances and see what you can get. Maybe you could package him for, you know, a, a top-tier running back that you that you feel a little bit more confident in. Because with Ronald Jones there, you're still always going to have question marks in the back of your head with uh, Leonard Fournette. Last running back tandem that wasn't on your most hated background or running back rooms, but that is J.D. McKissick did out-snap Antonio Gibson. Now, I know Antonio Gibson was dealing a little bit with an injury. The Packers in the second half, even though it was close the whole first half, started to pull away near the end of the third quarter. Do you think, again, this is more of if they're down, McKissick is the pass catcher and he's going to be used? Like, what are your thoughts on Antonio Gibson? He was, you know, a second-round pick, hasn't truly lived up to his expectations, but he's played well. He's just not been as much as you want out of your second-round pick. And now he's getting outstapped by the pass-catching running back. I mean, I think it was game script, like you said, as well. I mean, he's dealing with injuries. I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to see him get 12 to 15 carries a game when he is fully healthy. But you also have to look at, like, Washington's not the same team that they were last year. We figured they could sustain two backs. We figured Antonio Gibson would be well above and beyond J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick would be good for PPR formats, and maybe he would have some bust weeks. But they're playing from behind a lot more. They're not the same playoff team that they were last year. So because of that, you're going to see more of a fade towards the pass catching back because of this, the style of game they have to play to come back. Game scripts are awful. We still, I, I still believe when he's healthy, Gibson's going to get enough work, even if it's in the first half, to be a good, solid running back. But he may not be that second-round running back talent that you drafted. He may be more of the Chris Carson-style fourth, fifth-round running back status, which is going to frustrate you as a fantasy owner, but he still has value to your team, and he's still going to be somebody who can help win you games because he's going to have booms when Washington has a solid game script for him. It's just not going to be what you drafted. So that's some, that's some great advice there, George. And I have to say the biggest surprise of Bipocalypse probably started all the way back on the Thursday night game when I think my fanboy got a little bit ahead of my analysis and I kind of wrote off me too. I kind of wrote off the Ernest Johnson but man, did he ball out on Thursday night against the Broncos, 146 yards. He looked like an NFL starting running back, and now the Browns have four running backs that they can rely on if they're all healthy. I loved all the stories coming out about Dearness Johnston, um, how he was like DMing every AAF team when that league was still around, like, just give me a chance, like, let me prove it. And now he's worked his way to the NFL, and then he, he balled out like that. Nick Chubb did so he practice. Is, I, I believe say, he might be the only NFL player who didn't go to college or didn't play in college. Because I believe he went from the AAF to the XFL, never played in college because he made that decision because of his family needing money instead of him going to college and playing for free. If I heard that correctly. I did not hear that. So I that would be all you, George. I do not know the answer. <laughs> to to that one i can check his wikipedia page really quick to see where he ended up but again he was a great story nick chubb is coming back or he practiced on monday looks like he'll make it back but the question is how do you view him with cream hunt still on ir does he slide into the cream hunt role does felton still play the more the pass catcher running back is the Ernest Johnson worth a waiver ad this week if no one picked him up last week? Or can you drop him this week? Like, what are you doing with Dearness Johnson? Okay, so I think you and I could have a little bit of a debate, but I'll talk a little bit if you want to look up the whole Dearness Johnson thing. He played four so, years at South Florida in college. Okay, so he did end up playing college ball, but he was playing in the AAF because he's, of a money situation with his family. According to the Wikipedia again, so take this with a grain of salt, but he's a USF's uh, all-purpose career leader with 4,018 and 4,186 yards um, in throughout his four years where he had 16 touchdowns. So pretty good college career, but he definitely, you know, he bounced around in the AAF trying to make a name for himself and he's finally done it. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, so Cody and I had a little bit of a talk before this. We can continue it here. So I always viewed the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt role as more of a workload role, not necessarily a way they run their offense role. Because while Nick Chubb is more of a between the tackles runner who can still catch the ball and make these big plays and Kareem Hunt's a little bit of a smaller back, they can both play the same role essentially. So I look at it as more Nick Chubb gets 65% of the snaps while Kareem Hunt gets 35 and they're both effective running backs. So if you had to look at it as a how they're built, Dearness Johnson is Nick Chubb and Demetrik Felton is Kareem Hunt. So now you have two Nick Chubbs in your offense if you want to play both of them. And will that affect it? I personally think it would be Chubb and Johnson and Johnson would just get the same amount of snaps as Nick as like a Kareem Hunt would while not necessarily being the Kareem Hunt role. So I think Chubb's going to be fine and Johnson could be a flex, but I don't know. What are your thoughts, Cody? Yeah. I think Chubb is definitely fine. I think yeah. that was a – but I do – I understand what you're saying. I do think Kareem Hunt, he does like specialize as more of a pass catcher where I'm not – Nick Chubb catches the ball, but I feel like – and again, I don't have the, the PFF numbers in front of me, so maybe I could be wrong, but this is just going based on the hunches and watching the games. He does seem to catch more screen passes and more you know quick dump-offs where it does seem like Kareem Hunt does run a few more routes. So if they're going to need a, a – running back to run more routes, you'd probably lean that towards Demetric Felton, who was a wide receiver running back at UCLA. But I do agree with you. If they're going based on just their top two running backs and they showed that Dearness Johnson is their top guy when Chubb and Hunt are out, then Dearness Johnson should fill right into that role of Kareem Hunt. He might only get 35 to 40% of the, the snaps, but he'll be out there uh, this week, there's only two teams on by, so you're probably not sweating as much. So you might have a week to save to figure this out if where he's actually at, you not have to cut him or anything like that. But it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. Uh, but honestly, I'm rooting for Dearness Johnson after the week he put up. Definitely have to come back on the whole count off Dearness Johnson, go with Demetric Felton. Honestly, if I had played Dearness Johnson after I went for him in waivers instead of going for Demetric Felton, I would not be in a situation that I am in the our league of record. So, hey, we all miss sometimes, but it's a great story. I'm happy for him as well. Yeah, and there was a lot of other things to come out of Bipocalypse, but we have to move on, get looking more forward into week eight, and let's hit George's favorite segment, Quotes of the Week. Quotes of the week will start off in New York with the Giants, where defensive back Logan Ryan was talking about Daniel Jones, who I mean, there was a bazillion injuries, but he said, I think he shows he puts his body on the line to do whatever it takes running. I heard QB one, RB one and wide receiver one today. So if you guys didn't see Daniel Jones made some ridiculous one handed catch running one of those trick plays when a throw to a quarterback. So I think that's where he got that from of he was catching the ball. He obviously runs the ball. He is a little bit of a mobile quarterback and he was playing quarterback himself. He did a little bit of everything that he needed to do to try to get the Giants out of the situation where the only weapon that's normally a starter for them was Darius Slayton. Yeah, I mean, Jones did look good. I will say he did bobble the one-handed catch as more of a tap to himself. I know there's a lot of freeze frame images on Twitter that's like comparing it to the OBJ catch. Let's slow your roll. But uh, compared to the Tom Brady catch, not catch in the Super Bowl, and you're looking at a completely different situation. <laughs> yes, at least he you know tipped it up himself, had the awareness. I'm not I'm not taking away. I'm just saying, <laughs> if if you're just looking at us, sometimes video tells more story than a still image. That's all I'm trying to say. But again, yeah, yeah. I mean Daniel Jones. I would really like to see how he would have performed this if they didn't have all these injuries. If Saquon was healthy, if they weren't banged up at wide receiver if Evan Ingram could have stayed healthy. Like I I talked about it like preseason, like there was potential that Daniel Jones could break out and he hasn't played terrible. He's been, you know, the top 15 fantasy quarterbacks this year, which if you would have said that last year, you would have like laughed, like when we called him Danny pennies, but he has looked good (laughs) and he's pretty much carrying this team. Although it's not a lot, this team isn't very good, but he is, he is playing pretty well. And I think better than a lot of people would have expected with all the injuries. 
definitely we'll have to see if they can get that offense healthy and see if he can actually put together a second half to show his skills instead of just trying to play with the uh, cashier from the local theater as his wide receiver. So um, we already talked a little bit of Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes had a good quote, so I'll have to throw hit on him on here. He said, it's been kind of rainbows and flowers and awesome for these last few years, but whenever you want to build something substantial and you want to take and you want to build something great, you're going to go through parts like this. It's going to take us getting better every single day. So I think he's realizing that he does need to make a change, but I just kind of enjoyed how he called it rainbows and flowers and awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what it was. And, and now they're struggling. Uh, but like you mentioned, we did talk a good bit on Patrick Mahomes. So, George, I'll take the last quote for you because it probably hurt your soul a little bit. A little that bit. That was from Zach Ertz, now the Arizona Cardinals, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles. He said, we have a lot of talent. I've never seen so much green grass in the middle of the field. And that's not going to happen when you are. That's going to happen. when You have guys like DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green on the outside. A little bit of a jab at Philadelphia, you know, talking about this how they dude haven't never had any yards after the catch in his life in Philadelphia. <laughs> Just never. Yeah. And the first week in Arizona, he had his career longest touchdown reception. So, mm-hmm. hey, maybe Zach Ertz surprisingly is more owned in fantasy than Dallas Goddard. Uh, if you're one of those faithful that have been holding out, congratulations. You seem to have a, a fantasy relevant tight end. Uh, which is very hard to find these days. So congrats to you guys. Uh, but you know, speaking of tight ends and people you might need, let's head into the waivers for week eight. Well, I could start it off with, if you're in one of those like 12% of leagues that do not own Zach Ertz yet, he's a good ad, but we're talking about people who are less owned here. And I guess we can start it off in Philly after all that. And it's not Dallas Goddard, although he should be owned too. We're going to start off with the running backs. So Eagles started off their game this week by running the ball, which is a heck of a concept until Miles Sanders got hurt and then enter Kenny Gainwell and the game script got flipped on its head because they fell behind. But Gainwell was already somebody who was scoring almost as many points as Miles Sanders. And now he should see even more of a featured role. It'll just be him and Boston Scott, but Gainwell should get plenty more snaps than Boston Scott. I like him as somebody even like if he was gone and it was just Miles Sanders, I would like Miles Sanders better. Same with Miles Sanders is gone. I like Gainwell better than that. It's just one of them in that backfield. He could be somebody that could be a solid play coming forward. Definitely could be a guy with a solid play. I do like that one. Uh, it was reported that Miles Sanders' injury looked worse than it really was. Uh, so that's some good, no- good news on the Eagles front there. Uh, and then before I give you the next guy that we're going to talk about, one, you can see George's full article on thecouchgms.com. Be sure to check that out. And two, some, you know, we are not, in, as much as we would love to be, we're not in every league out there, so we might not know your personal league. There was a ton of buys last week. Not every, some people had to drop some players that shouldn't be on your waiver wire. So make sure you're checking who is available before you're just going out to get the Kenny Gainwell to replace a Miles Sanders. There might be a running back that was out. Maybe Tony Pollard got cut. You know, maybe uh, I doubt like Austin. If someone dropped Austin Eckler, that they shouldn't be in fantasy anymore. But like that's what I'm talking about. There's a couple leagues that Zach Moss was dropped. He might be a better long-term option than Gainwell. Yeah, so there's definitely some guys out there, a wide receivers, running backs that you can talk talk about. But I'll go to another running back. Um, I wasn't very high on him this week heading into the matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's still balled out, even though the team as a whole played awful. Um, <laughs> it, I will say Damian Williams did not get activated from the COVID list uh, to either Sunday morning or Saturday night. I can't remember off the top of my head. So he didn't get to practice much that week. So he Herbert, I'm talking about Khalil Herbert. I don't even know if I said the guy I was talking about. I'm talking about Khalil Herbert. Um, it's been reported multiple times that the Bears love him. He's moving up the depth chart. He might end up being the true number two. I still think you have to worry about Williams and this being somewhat of a committee. Uh, but the way Herbert has played the last two weeks, it looks like he might be the guy that's getting the 60 to 65% of the workload to Damian Williams, 30, 35%. But again, the Bears aren't a great offense, so this could be a little bit tough to to manage. But if you're desperate, Herbert is at least putting up points he's seen you know 15 plus carries the last two weeks 
And until Montgomery gets back, he seems like a guy that should at least be owned, if not a solid flex option. Definitely, he's somebody that could fill a need for a bye week or if you're in a situation where you just don't have a good RB2, somebody that could definitely go in for now. Um, I think David Montgomery's probably still two to three weeks away, but we haven't heard much obviously because he's on injured reserve. We'll pass any news to you if we hear that his practice window has been activated or anything like that. We can move on to the wide receiver position then, and we're looking at the Dallas Cowboys. We have Michael Gallup, who is getting close to coming back off injured reserve. Now, I know we've been so hot and cold on Cedric Wilson, and he's been the wide receiver threes, had some pretty good weeks. He's obviously not as talented as Michael Gallup. So we're going to be more confident with Michael Gallup playing some weeks in good matchups as the wide receiver three as a compared to someone like a Cedric Wilson. He's somebody that should be owned. He has a chance he got dropped when he got hurt and didn't get stashed on someone's reserve. Somebody that could be out on waivers, you should go and grab up because when bye weeks come back, I know just because we got through by by apocalypse does not mean everything's over. Could be a solid flex play or a flex play in a good matchup even on a regular week. Yeah, I agree. We talked about the Dallas Cowboys having a high-powered offense. Uh, Cedric Wilson has been used a decent amount. I think Gallup will see more roles. This could actually hurt Dalton Schultz a little bit if he does come back. That's true. He's, uh, something to think of. But I do want to ask before I give you the next guy, we talk all the time about how it's so hard to judge teams with three wide receivers that are startable. Um, so I'm going to give you a few real quick just to get your thoughts on where you would rank Michael Gallup as their number three option. And I'm going to start in Tampa Bay when they're all healthy. We're going to assume that Mike Evans is and Chris Godwin are one and two. Antonio Brown is three. Would Do you like Antonio Brown or Michael Gallup more? Probably Antonio Brown. Okay, I, I tend to agree with that one. I feel like that was a little bit of an easy one. Okay. I feel like this one's a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. The Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> we're going to say that Jamar Chase is one. T. Higgins is two. <laughs> Tyler Boyd is three. Do you like Tyler Boyd? Or Michael Gallup? Ooh, uh, is it a Boyd week? <laughs> Do I get that? that? No, <laughs> you, you don't get to know. That's, that's um, the tough part about picking threes. Slight lean Tyler Boyd. Very close. Slight lean Tyler Boyd. And then my last one <laughs> is a, is it? I guess it's a quad, a wide receiver quad. That is the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. We're going to say DeAndre Hopkins is one. AJ Green is two. And I'll let you pick if you want to put Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore at three, but where do you rank those two compared to Michael Gallup? For now, I'd put Gallup above both Kirk and Moore because of the split. If Moore would happen to show more consistency and get more involved in the offense, I might switch, but it's it's Gallup. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was that was fun. <laughs> little little unsurprised. Our George was caught off guard by that question. But back to some waiver guys to add. We haven't talked about it much because we were saving it for the Thursday night preview. But Devontae Adams, now he he tested positive for COVID um, on Monday. Now he's vaccinated, so he just needs two negative tests. So in theory, there's still an outside chance that he can play on Thursday night. If he he just I mean, in theory, they could private jet him Thursday morning if his test comes back. But it's very unlikely he will most likely miss this week's game, which is a huge blow for the Packers and fantasy and NFL fans because there's a top matchup. But we're going to talk about that matchup in a little bit. But two guys to keep an eye on are Alan Lazard. He had a little bit of a breakout game, uh, especially in the two-minute drill against the Washington football team on Sunday. And then keep an eye on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's currently on the IR. He is expected to practice. Matt LaFleur today said they're still hopeful they can get him back for Thursday. He would be a big boost if a guy like Devontae Adams couldn't go. Um, Both these guys, in my opinion, should be considerable ads. They might not be my favorite replacements for Devontae Adams. Like, I would have to see who's on your bench. If you have a a stronger wide receiver four or, you know, you can play your flex option and then a stronger running back, I might consider it over these guys. Um, But if you're in a deeper league or you're struggling with buys, if you only have Raiders and Ravens, well, then maybe – If you lost Adams and Hollywood Brown this week, MBS and Lazard might be a solid option for you to throw in. And again, they play Thursday. Make sure they're not in your flex spot. Definitely. So I actually have a question for the Packers fan before I move on. So obviously Adams eats up a lot of targets, a lot of catches. MVS is traditionally the deep threat. I don't know if he would play more of the hands-on wide receiver if this happens, but who do you like better 
Lazard, who might be the more I know realistic option to be the hands-on high volume receiver or MVS because of his deep playability and the chance he gets more than usual um, targets. Saying they both get, play, obviously. Yeah, we're gonna have to say they both play, and we're gonna have to make sure that like they're not like we're gonna run. MVS is only gonna play a handful. Like, there's no pitch counts because if there's a pitch yeah, count, no, I'm no go pitch with, counts, fully healthy. Yep. Then I would probably go MVS. Um, okay. on top of that, and you know, one more name I am gonna throw into this list is Randall Cobb. You know, he's kind of forgotten, but he is you know the guy that you know could be. He's not gonna probably have a huge yardage day. But if you're in a full point or half point PPR, he could see, you know, seven, eight catches. He could that chemistry he has with Rodgers, he might fill in there pretty nicely. But to your question between those two, if fully healthy, I would say MVS. If there's any limitations with MVS, then I would go Lazard. And I wouldn't pivot to Robert Tunyon. I know he had a bounce back game this past week. Uh prior to that, he had scored two points or less in five of the six weeks weeks and this week they go up against uh isaiah simmons and buddha baker who have taken tight ends out of games completely so i don't look for a big game for robert tunyon a little preview of the start sit article coming later this week all right and then lastly but not least on our waiver wires these are guys that we've talked about before but we're going to hit again Guys that might get boost if they're on your waivers, if a trade happens. And more specifically, the trade I'm talking about is Deshaun Watson. If a team does decide to pull the trigger for a guy that has a ton of off-the-field baggage, but they t- decide to pull the trigger, we expect them. If they make the trade, they're going to play them. And some of the teams that are in the mix for those guys is the Carolina Panthers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Denver Broncos are a sleeper, but they probably won't be a guy to add but so some of those names you know tim patrick if he's still out there uh jerry judy if somebody didn't if your league doesn't have ir spots or someone cut him that's another guy you should be catch looking out there for add him um, if they get watson or not actually yeah i mean honestly yeah that's <laughs> true if, add jerry judy if someone cut him um yeah. if your league doesn't have ir spots but those are some guys the dolphins Devonte parker will fuller Will Fuller already had a connection with Deshaun Watson, and we saw what he could do. So if they reunite, that could be a big boom. Again, it, he might be on someone's IR, but if they're not, he might be available. And then Alaska, Robbie Anderson. Carolina hasn't been very good. Robbie Anderson is still a talented wide receiver. He's probably been cut now, but if they get a guy like Deshaun Watson, those are some some guys. Again, this isn't go out and destroy your team to get one of these guys. But this is getting ahead of the trade deadline. If you have a roster spot, if you have Devontae Adams that hit your COVID list and you can put him in your IR spot, go ahead and pick one of these guys up. See how, like, that's how it works. You know, try to get ahead of the curve before Watson gets traded. But again, these aren't priority guys. Like, you're not putting money in your fab system. You can, you can put them at the end of your waiver priority. But just some names to keep out there. Uh, but, George, I think there's another name that we've talked about a few times that isn't a wide receiver, but a running back that could be on the move if you, if you want to talk about him. Sure thing. And we would like to spotlight Marlon Mack here as well. So, yeah, we have talked about Marlon Mack and the possibility of him being traded. There's plenty of running back injuries still going on there around the league. Whether he'd be a guy that goes somewhere and sticks as a starter the rest of the season remains to be seen. Depends on where he would land. He is better than a lot of backs out there, I think. He's just coming back off injury now into a very crowded backfield in Indy. But he's still got it. He's still gotten carries and been effective. There's been some whispers of him going to the Chiefs. Whether he would start over Clyde Edwards-Alaire is unknown, but he would be a short-term fill at the least. He's definitely worth an add because if he ends up in the right the right spot, he could end up being like a situation Baltimore. That would be a great one as well. Cause they're still obviously looking for veteran backs who can fill in a big role. And Latavius Murray being the starter has not been the most fantastic. And now he's hurt. Um, and now he's hurt. Devonte Freeman hasn't done it. Le'Veon Bell hasn't done it. That would be the, I think that would be the ideal fill. And something like that could end up making him like, was it two, three years ago, Nick Chubb situation where when they trade away, Carlos Hyde and made Nick Chubb the starter, if you had Nick Chubb or you picked up Nick Chubb off of waivers that week, you had a top 10 starting running back the rest of the year. I'm not saying Marlon Mack would be top 10, but he'd be a startable running back in the right position the rest of the season. Absolutely. If he gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens, he instantly becomes one of the top, you know, fab spenders. You know, he 
becomes one of the top waiver priorities for sure. So that's an, an is there any other teams out there that you might consider? Like we talked about the Chiefs a little bit. Is there any other teams out there that you're like, oh, that would be a good fit? Oh man, um, maybe Miami. Um, just because I think he could start over Miles Gaskin with how they've not had any faith in him. Um, but I don't like it. Yeah, don't do my boy dirty like that. No, I'm just trying to think of places that he might go that he might be a starter. Um, I don't like him on a team like the Jets, and they're not going to go buy out for him, but he'd be a starter there. Like, no, I, I, I honestly I think it's pretty limited. He may go to Chicago if they want to fill in for David Montgomery right now, but that would not be a good long term fill either. I, I, that's about all I've got. <laughs> yeah, I, there's not too many like great options. I agree with you. You know, if he ends up in San Fran or New England, teams that are struggling with running backs, it's like uh, just another guy in their committee. Uh, yep. The chest injury for Josh Jacobs doesn't seem to be as serious, so he should probably be back after the the buy. So I don't expect the Raiders to make a move. Yeah, there's just not a, a ton of options out there for him. That's why I think. But one team is going to get him. And for fantasy's sake, hopefully it's the Baltimore Ravens because that would be great. But again, we already we ta- had one fantasy jackpot when Zach Ertz got traded to Arizona. Could we possibly get two? I guess we'll have to wait and see, and we won't have to wait much longer because the trade deadline is, again, only one week away. But before we wrap up today's show, we do have to talk about the Thursday night pre-vote. Pre-vote. Thursday night preview, so let's get into it. One Thursday night pre-vote coming up. We got the COVID issue Green Bay Packers moving to the Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And COVID is, of course, zapping us of the best Thursday night football game of the year. Cody, I'll let you start us off being the Packers guy here in the podcast. Yeah, so it was reported early Monday that defensive coordinator Joe Barry tested positive for COVID. And everyone was like, well, you know, the Packers, after their week one to performance have turned into a top 10 defense it's going to sound crazy they got their first red zone stop from giving up a touchdown but they had four against the washington football team they were currently 15 of 15 allowing touchdowns in the red zone through the first six weeks but in week seven they didn't allow one so that's a plus they were you know their momentum was building and now they lost their defensive coordinator that was already a big blow and then a few hours later the what feels like the knockout blow was that Devonte adams tested positive for covid Hopefully it's limits to those two. You have to think there's been some other Devonte Adams is, you know, a big team guy. He's been around a lot of players. We'll have to see if there's any more close contacts, how that does. It's not looking great for the Packers. I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. The Packers are six and zero since 2019 without Devonte Adams. Matt LaFleur has been really well at taking advantage of other matchups and scheming guys open. And Rodgers has played well in the system. Hopefully, he, if he does that, they still have a chance. The last time the Packers went to Arizona, not their last matchup, but the last time the Packers went to Arizona, Aaron Rodgers led a comeback and a game that they could have won in overtime with Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis and Richard Rodgers as his wide receivers. So at least he has some experience playing with not great wide receivers. And I think the guys behind, I think Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rodgers, Robert Tunyon are better than those guys. No offense. I still love Richard Rod- Richard Rodgers. That was an incredible t- catch in Detroit. But I digress back to the matchup. There's definitely some things to keep an eye on. It seems like this game is going to be all Arizona. And that's why it probably won't be. Like, that's just how the NFL goes. This game, if Adams doesn't play, if any more COVID case, you're going to expect. Like, honestly... I think Packers fans as whole without Adams, without their coordinator on the short week going to Arizona, like I've most of the Packers fans I know were already like this game is as important as it is. I mean, because if we lose this game, this puts us two games behind the number one seed. It would be very hard to get with the way Arizona is playing. Not impossible because there's still a long season left, but it's a big game for playoff implications. But no Packers fan is really like felt great going into this game. They They knew that it was always going to be an uphill battle and it just becoming a harder and harder climb. But that's and Thursday night football is crazy. You throw the rules out. No team has really practiced. They've just been doing like virtual and mental reps. 
you know, Kyler Murray did get banged up a little bit. Not, I mean, he didn't leave the game. He didn't play, but he did get hit around against the Houston Texans. They didn't play their best game. Maybe they were looking for too far ahead over the Houston Texans. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the Cardinals players, you expect them to go off. You expect you can start Kyler Murray, no question. You can start DeAndre Hopkins, no question. Both running backs, I feel like, are in play. Chase Edmonds and James Conner. A.J. Green, I like. You like Christian. And you pick your Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore. You might even be okay playing both. And Zach Ertz. Oh, Zach Ertz, yep, you're playing him. Like, all their weapons are still in play. Like, because it's not just Devontae Adams. Like, you're still missing Zadarius Smith. You're still missing Jair Alexander. Preston Smith might not play. Kevin King might not play. Josh Myers. Like, the Packers are incredibly banged up. They're missing a bunch of all pros. Like, it's crazy that we're, the Packers are 6-1 and one with the amount of injuries they are. And that excites me as a Packers fan going forward, but it does not excite me for this matchup, which is a huge matchup in the NFC. Um, and like I said, if the Packers... If Adams isn't there, I don't know if I fully trust Devont or Aaron Rodgers as a starting quarterback. Like, this is, might be a game where you might pivot to Joe Burrow over Aaron Rodgers that we talked about a little bit earlier. I think Aaron Jones and it's is in line for a huge day. I expect him to have twenty to twenty five touches. I think AJ Dillon has a bounce back from his two fumble performance on Sunday. They they try to use him. I mean, it's. Normally, you, you want to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand, but you you expect the Packers to do a little bit of that with Kyler Murray. Like, they know they're down. They're going to want to try to do long, sustained drives to keep that high-powered offense and keep it close. Because if it's close and the game's on the line, you like your chance with Aaron Rodgers. So, should still be a good matchup. It's just it's unfortunate that between injuries and COVID, we are being robbed of what have, could have been not just the best Thursday night game, but the best game of the year. I think you pretty much covered the entire spectrum right there. The only thing you didn't really touch, I mean, was what we already touched with the Packers wide receivers. Um, and you could take a, a roll in the dice with Alan Lazard if you need somebody or Marquez Valdez-Scantling if he plays. Other than that, you, you pretty much hit it. I mean, I don't have much to add. I hope Devontae Adams came back on the field. It's very highly unlikely. And COVID definitely is ruining this season again. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the world we live in. Uh, again, I know we're saying ruining it, but we're still hoping for the best for all the players and the yes. players' families who have been impacted by this. Um, we understand that a lot of this is out of their control and we wish them nothing of the best to get back. Uh, but this has been a fun episode. I love breaking down the waivers already. I almost just knocked over my microphone. It almost hit me in the face. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you probably were laughing. If you're listening in the car, make sure you go over to YouTube, hit the subscribe, and check out the clip. Um, but as always, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. Tyler should be back on Friday. We're trying really hard to make it happen with his work schedule. But he's not here, but he still wants me to tell you, this podcast is more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Definitely, guys. Check out thecouchgms.com for our waiver wire column and start sits coming later in the week. Thank you one more time for listening in to the Couch GMs podcast. For Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you later in the week to break down week eight.